We as humans, as moms and dads, we have the power to respond to situations instead of reacting. And here's how we do it. We do it through the word of God. So here's here's what happens. When we have difficulties and circumstances, we can choose choose to lean into Jesus lean into the power of the cross. We were talking about being surrounded by him, that we can overcome anything by his blood when we were singing our worship song together today. And and when we begin to lean into him, and no matter what crazy circumstances life brings our way, God can suddenly begin to bring healing to our heart. Now, the cause of the pain may never go away. But God can give us the power to move through that pain so that no matter what comes our way, because in this life, you will face things that are unexpected. But when you face them through the power of the blood of Jesus and the resurrection power of Jesus, you can face anything. And when I talk to moms, it's crazy because most of them talk about doubt and discouragement, and I'm tired, and gosh, I don't really feel like I, it's not the way I planned, and I'm not the mom I thought I could be, and I, you know, it's just not going quite the way I wanted it to, and and we find ourselves so busy. You know, our world is so busy that we can get so out of sync with ourselves, and and we can, we can face things that, you know, turmoils of worries about job, worries about family, worries about our kids, and these worries kind of kick us into what we call the fight or flight mode. Anybody know what that is? And, and for moms, we, we begin to see that in everything in our life. And I know this may be shocking to some of you, but we can on occasion kind of stress out over things that are not really life-threatening. Things like, you know, late for work and you forgot your belt and you forgot the school, you forgot your, your lunch and forgot to pay for your lunch. And, but there are problems at work, problems in the family. There are so many things that us moms that we face and really dads too. And, and I found that in my life, so next, let's see, two weeks, we'll be married 25 years. I, I feel like I'm only 25. I mean, how is 25 years happening? We've got Parker's 21, Pierce is 19. And I'm like, how did this all happen so fast? Because I still feel like I'm 19. And now my body reminds me that I'm not anymore. But I still, you know, like in your mind, moms, you know what I'm saying? Like, I still feel that way, you know. And <laughs> so, um, you know, when I, when I realized that after 25 years of marriage, after raising two sons, there are some amazing things that have happened in my life, but there's also some things that happened that I could not control. And when I could not control them, my personality is I have to try to figure out why it's happening. Any moms like that? Like, I, you know, got to figure it out, write the manual, make sure it never happens again. And he, here's what I found. I had begun to set limiting beliefs in my mind. Like when God didn't show up a certain way at a certain time, then I began to say, well, maybe God doesn't work that way. Maybe my expectations were too high. And so I thought, you know what? I'm reading one thing in the word, but I'm seeing something else in my life. So I need to do some deep work. Look at your neighbor and say deep work. 
I had to get the sharpest tool in the tool shed to do this deep work. And so I had to find a tool that was sharper than any two-edged sword. I had to find a tool that could divide between soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, and my spirit, my consciousness, my God consciousness. That my, Because my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions were screaming. And my spirit, man, my God consciousness, my intuition was barely just a whisper. And so I had to find the one thing that could help me find the truth and that could take those limiting thoughts that I had begun to set in my mind and call them truth. Even though they were contrary maybe to what the word of God said, I had to find those things and begin to do some really deep work in my life. Because the same power, we've been talking about the resurrection power of Jesus The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that could silence the limiting beliefs in my mind and begin to transform me from the inside out. You see, when God moves in our life and God breaks limitations off our mind, when God moves, it is an inside job. He doesn't paint us on the outside and hope that the inside, nobody sees it. He starts on the inside and when the inside begins to get healthy, then on the outside, people begin to look at you and go, wow, like what's going on in your life? You seem different. How is this happening? It's the power of the resurrected word of God. Now, I want to jump to a a verse in Psalms 119. Psalms 119, verse 112. David says this. He says, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. Here's what I realized. I could choose to incline my heart. Now, I need some grace with this, folks, because I prefer to recline versus incline. Anybody with me? Okay, just want to make sure. I I prefer, you know, the path of least resistance. So if I'm going to recline, hey, you know, if I'm going to be walking, I'd rather go decline than incline, right? And, and you know, I, I, I can do the treadmill. I can do the rowing machine. But here's here's an interesting thing. Do you know that sometimes the things that come into your life, the things that cause resistance in your life are actually there to make you stronger? Seriously? I don't like that. Does anybody else not like that? (laughs) I just want to make sure because um, I just want to make sure because I don't like resistance. I like the path of least resistance. And David said this. He said, um, I I set my heart. Set. Does anybody remember that TV infomercial for the rotisserie chicken things? That you can, anybody remember that? You can set it and forget it. Everybody 40 and above. Woohoo! Yeah. You can set it and forget it. So if David says, I'm going to incline my heart or I'm going to set my heart. Here's the thing. If I'm going to set my heart, that means I'm going to set it to the very end. But my heart, 
My, my spirit, man, is not as simple as throwing a chicken into a rotisserie chicken machine and walking away and forgetting about it because I cannot settle the beliefs and the word of God in my heart and know what I believe by just setting it and forgetting it. I have to set my mind on things above. Because like, here's the thing. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But when life sucks, there are days, like there can be within a matter of 30 minutes that I can go from incline, yeah, to recline, to just, you know, status quo, to actual total decline. Like in 30 seconds, 30 minutes, anybody else can do that? Like depending on what's happening. So I have to set, I have to check, I can't walk away and forget I have to set it, I have to recheck it, I have to go back and check it again, I gotta come back, recheck it again, I gotta make sure, am I inclined, am I setting my heart towards things above? Because let me tell you this, if you are, if your mind is in depression, struggle, confusion, frustration, and every day you walk up, you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, let me help you understand something. You are in a state of decline. And that is not an easy pill to swallow because life, it happens. You know, Philippians says this, I set my mind on things that are above. This is one of my favorite, favorite Hallmark scriptures. Because when everything around me is going a different way, this is what I say. The Bible says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, whatever things are of what kind of report? A good report. If there is what? any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And since it's not on the screen, Philippians 4, 8, that is what we say. If there is anything praiseworthy, you are so frustrated with your child on a certain day and you're like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, we moms, we're like, you know, dads, you can get that way too. And you're like, and you start all these in your head, man, the chaos in your head's going crazy. But the Bible says, if there is anything, you find one good thing about that kid and you begin to rehearse it and you begin to call it forth and you begin to thank God. I don't care if it's that they got brown eyes just like you. You find one good thing and begin to thank God for that one good thing. Because if you, if you, you've got to shift your focus from what God is, from what you are focused on to what God focuses on. Now, if you brought your journal, I want you to pull your journal out and I'm going to ask you a couple questions. We're going to put these on the Facebook group as well so you could kind of take a little bit of time to, to think about it this week. But the first question I want you to answer for yourself is, is your heart in a position of incline, recline, or decline? And then what is God asking you to do this week to set, 
to incline your heart towards him. Give you just a minute to write that down. Take a picture of the screen. And again, we'll have that on the Facebook page. Jump to verse 113. It says this. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. I can choose what to hate, and I can know what to love. Another way of saying is I can choose to be single-minded because God is saying I hate the condition of the double-minded. And hate is the most powerful motivation to change. You know, when you hate something, you typically don't go back to that thing, you know? Like, I hate anchovies, so I don't ever order anchovies, don't ever want anchovies because I, what do I? I hate anchovies. But when you hate something, you can really make lasting change because you won't come back to it. It becomes the leverage to make the change in your life. I don't like how that feels. I don't want to go back there. I hate it. Most of us have these love-hate relationships with a lot of things in our lives, and it gets really, really tricky because we often hate the things that try to deliver us, and we often love the things that try to destroy us. Love the things that try to destroy us. There are certain things in my life that I I hate how I feel when I do them. But I do them because I love the results. So I was telling you, I I love, I, I, I like, I like the treadmill. I like the rowing machine. And when I'm working out, I'm okay with dumbbells. But there's one thing that I hate. I hate ab crunches because I feel like, you know, when I'm laying on the floor and I'm trying to lift it up, like these wimpy little ab muscles are like, if you're, what was that commercial? Was it hefty? Uh, wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Yeah, yeah. That's what I feel like's happening when I'm doing cr- ab crunches. Like there's this little like, you're so weak, you're so weak, you can't lift that big body, you know. It's like, I, and I feel like, yeah, I can jog, like I can row, I can dumbbell, but <sighs> I hate eating salad. I hate like eating all the food, right food all the time, but I hate it when my pants don't fit. So, you know, there's a love, hate relationship with some of these things <laughs> so uh, there are feelings that that i that i hate mm. uh, sometimes you've got to hate the feeling of the feeling before you'll stop going back to the feeling see i hate the feeling of self-pity oh, even though self-pity tastes so good like a frosty and fry good I love how it makes me feel in the moment. Oh, I could, like a choice morsel going down 
that chocolate frosting, those french fries, you know, my, that's like my emotional go-to, like when I'm just having a, anybody have an emotional go-to, like, you know, okay, my, okay, I, there's a few, thank goodness, I'm not the only one, you know, but I love what it does for me in the moment, but I hate what it does to me. See, it's a complicated relationship. It's a complicated relationship that I have with carbohydrates. You see, they are there for me in the midnight hour when no one else is there. I can call on the carb. Come on. But I hate what it does. You're in the closet and you're like, nope, those don't fit. You know, come to the other side, like, nope, those don't fit. Oh, I think these will, you know, and then you put them on, you're like, yes. You're like those frosties and french fries. More of the ab crunch, more of the ab crunch. Come on, incline your heart, girl. What is your problem? I, I love to love the things that I should hate. <laughs> Why do we do this? We are so complicated. Hmm. When I get really mad, I love anger. You know, like you just like, there's things like on your heart, you know? So you need to know like, I am a total peacemaker. That is my MO. So Marion is complete challenger. The very bottom of his, you know, personality is, is peacemaker. So like, we're complete opposites. So how did this happen? I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, I'll just let things build up and I'm like, you know, I smile. You know, then I smile a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, you know, it all just like comes out. I throw the iPad on the floor. You know, I've had it. I've got to tell you what I think. And it feels so good to let you know how I feel. But I hate how it isolates me from the people that I love. I like to justify my feelings. I, I like to complain. See, we go to these comfort emotions that make us feel good. Now they know how we feel. If they ever wondered what I really thought, well, now they really know. But I hate how it keeps me away from the people that I love. It's like comfort food in the winter. You know, we don't, you know, strawberries and salads and, you know, we don't go so much for that in the winter. We want like chili and pot roast and, you know, warm blanket, warm comfort food, because those are the things that make us feel good. And sometimes that's what it is with emotions. I'm setting myself up for automatic decline. I love the taste. I hate the outcome. It's the law of diminishing returns. So, so how do we learn how to Change things by a healthy way to hate. Hate the things that lead me to decline because I know now what they are. I love the path of least resistance, but I hate where it takes me. You have to train your brain to incline. Set your heart on things above. You, you know, if I didn't despise Egypt so much, I would be tempted to go back. Who wants to go back to making bricks with hay, water? Who wants to go back to slavery and bondage? You have to hate 
the things that bind you and limit you in your life. So grab your journal again, write this down. What do I need to choose to love more, even if it's hard? Even if it's uncomfortable? Gotta choose to love those ab crunches. Gotta choose to set my mind on things above. And what do I need to choose to hate because it's isolating me from the people that I love? Anger, porn, alcohol, addiction, things that isolate me from the people that I love because it puts me in my own world. It keeps me away from the things that I've built my whole life around. Then verse 114, David says this, you are my hiding place and my shield. I can choose where to hide. Because here's the thing, doubts will come. Darts will fly. It's the world that we live in. The question is, do you know where to hide when discouragement and distraction comes your way? Or do you run to the same enemy that you're trying to run from? I run to the thing that I love, but I know I should hate. I run to the addiction when I know I I love how it feels in the moment, but I hate where it takes me. Do I run to the thing that I should hate? Am I hiding in my addiction? Am I hiding in my anger? Am I hiding in my jealousy? Am I hiding in my justification of the truth? There are reasons why I feel this way. And I'm isolating myself and I'm limiting my life. And I'm limiting the power of God at work in my life. Because I don't love the things that he loves. We build it, we got to keep it. He builds it, we build it his way, then he keeps it. Hmm. David said, you are my hiding place, Lord. You are my shield. So when attacks come, I have to learn where to run. To think that no attack will come is setting myself up for disappointment. We live in this world. And Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? You'll have trouble. It's coming, baby. Take heart. He said, I have overcome the world. So... I set myself up for success because I have designated in advance. Look at your neighbor say, in advance. I've designated before the dark comes, before the discouragement comes, before the addiction tempts me. I have set in advance my hiding place. I know where I'm going to go. I know what my plan is. I've laid my blueprint out. I know where I'm going. I know where the hiding place is. But we run to places 
that keep us away from our calling? Why do we run to places that isolate us? We cannot experience life in dead places. Maybe your hiding place is blame. Well, you know, if the boss hadn't, and if the kids hadn't, and if the economy hadn't, and if the church hadn't, and if my husband hadn't, maybe we hide behind low expectations. Because, you know, as the saying goes, if you don't expect much, then you won't be disappointed. The line that I personally would use was, well, it is what it is. You know, we never say it is what it is about like really good things that happen in our life. We say it is what it is when it's like really crappy things that happen in our life. I had trained myself to suffer. Darts flying, telling me I'm not enough. Darts of unrealized dreams. Where am I hiding when those darts come? Thoughts of regret. You know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. They just kept coming. And I realized I was keeping myself in a state of suffering. I learned to cover up my half-hearted expectation with half-hearted hope. I mean, you know, I believe God, you know, God can do certain things, but I had set those limiting beliefs in my mind because I'd been disappointed. I, I don't know if you've ever been disappointed by life and expected things to happen a certain way, but I allowed myself to think, well, it is what it is. And I set those limiting beliefs in my mind because I didn't want to overexpect. So, you know, I'll, I'll put out half the hope because I, I do believe God will move, but will he really, can he move really big? I mean, you know, half hope, half expectations. After years of suffering, in my own suffering, God didn't do it to me. I did it to myself. I said, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Because I've been saying to God, you know, I pray. I, I gave him all my credentials. I pray. I tithe. I love people. Anybody ever done this before? You know, come on, God. I mean, like, what's, you know, I do all these things, you know, come on. This is my list of credentials. And God was like, hmm. double-minded man. Gosh, enough is enough. So I got busy in the word. Where does my help come from? My help comes from Jesus. And it became my mirror and it became 
my scalpel. Kind of a love-hate relationship with this as well. Because there's days I would open and go, oh, oh, I don't want to read that. And then there was other days, you know, like, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. I'm like, woohoo, yeah, amen. <laughs> Am I the only one who does this? Come on. <laughs> but I put on the full armor of God. You're never going to believe what happened to me. This is amazing never going to believe, never going to believe what happened to me. I began to feel guilty for feeling so good. Seriously? I'd done all this work. I got the sharpest tool out of the tool shed. Man, I was diving in. I was doing the deep work. I was repenting. I was tearing out limiting beliefs. I was asking God to give me just clarity on my life. And then I, I started to feel good. Started to get excited about my life. And then I started to feel guilty because I started to feel good because people were like, what's wrong with you? I mean, like, you're, you know. Because if you notice, like when you walk into a room with a group of people, like most people are like, yeah, well, you know, where's kind of their head hung down, you know. You come in, you're like, hey, how's everybody doing? It's a great day, like Mark Keene or something. Woo, you know, and, and they're like, what's wrong with him? He's on something. This cannot be real. So then I'm, I'm like, oh, I just, you know, you're right. I shouldn't be feeling so good. I mean, you know. The dog's sick, you know, got the bills to pay. You're still worried about this. I mean, God, I'm still waiting for him to move on that. You're right. And then I realized, and this is really deep, as a wife, as a mom, as a mother, as a pastor's wife, I realized that so many years of my life have been trying to please people. And I was chasing this proverbial rainbow, trying to get the pot at the end. And there was no rainbow and there was no pot. Like, there was nothing. Because y'all are crazy, just like me. I don't know what I want. You don't know what I want. We don't know what we want. So how are we going to try to, like, please each other? My job is to please one person. I set my mind on things above Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is right. Woo! I'm telling you what, it set me free when I realized I didn't have to make y'all happy. And for a peacemaker, let me tell you, that was some work. I come home worried about stuff. Oh, I think, you know, so-and-so, they're mad, this could happen. Marion's like, so? And I'm like, what do you mean, so? I mean, like, these are, this is important. <laughs> the kids, the kids don't love me, you know. I could have been a better mom. I could have done this different. Oh, my gosh. The limiting belief that I had set up in my mind was that God loved me but he really wasn't pleased with me. He loved me because, you know, 
you have to love. I mean, God is love, right? But he didn't have to like me because I didn't love myself. Because I was trying to please everybody but him. It's all that chaos I'd set up in my mind. He didn't do it to me. I did it to myself. One day God spoke to me. And this verse, Psalm 35, 27, says the Lord said this. He delights in the well-being of his servant. I thought I was supposed to be like, you know, crawling on the ground, you know, like an ant, like, God, you know, don't smite me, Lord. You know, I'll try to do more. I'll try to do better. But he delights in the well-being of his servants. And then something happened. Something like this resurrection power scriptures that we've been talking about. And this is what happened to me when I began to understand this. The eyes of my understanding. Mm. Ephesians chapter 2. These have been the hallmark scriptures, or Ephesians 1, that, that pastor's been talking about in all this. The eyes of my understanding have been enlightened. Suddenly, I understood where there was no clarity, there was clarity. And then God, who is rich in mercy, he made me alive. Mom, dad, grandma, aunt, uncle, I don't care who you are here today. God did not make you to punish. God loves you so much that he gave. And then he says to you, I delight in you. I delight in your well-being and I want to make you alive. And all of a sudden I realize I don't have to suffer anymore. Like I can make the decision no more suffering. Like I can wake up on the right side of bed and God is thrilled with me when I say I am happy about the day. I am thankful for what he has given me. (sighs) How free. God doesn't want us to make excuses for joy. God doesn't want us to make excuses when we have peace that passes understanding. God wants us to live a lie. On the count of three, I want you to say no more suffering with me. One, two, three. No more suffering. I've had to tell myself that. I'll revert back. Well, you know, got this big thing. Yeah, we all got big things. Seriously. We all have big things in our life. Cancer, financial distress, frustration, marriage problems, our boss is a jerk, we're a jerk, we kid problems. I mean, like, we all have, like, serious problems, serious things in this world that we have to deal with. But greater is he who lives inside of us. That is the resurrected power of Jesus to make us come 
wake up on the right side of the bed and we don't have to make excuses when we feel good. Because God lives inside of us. It only makes sense that we should feel good. Man. (laughs) Wow. No more suffering. Always going to be thoughts of what we could have done better, how we could have changed our parenting styles, how we could have done something different. There's always going to be something in our life. Always. But God says, I have a place you can hide. Psalm 91. You can hide in the shadow of the Almighty. And when darts fly, difficulty comes, and I find myself heading towards decline instead of setting my heart and inclining and setting my mind and thinking on those, I have to find my moment. Walk through the house. Nobody else is there because they'd laugh at you if they were. And speak the word of God and prophesy and just do whatever crazy thing you got to do to get your mind right. You know, I might be that one you drive by and you're like, man, they are really like digging into that song. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, my hands are on the wheel, you know. But find your place. Get your worship music on. Find a spot that it's just you and Jesus in the word, in worship. Find some friends that will make you accountable that when you come in and you're all like, you know, they just look at you and go, get out. Till you can set it straight, till you can put a smile on your face, till you can find some joy, I'll talk to you later. But you gotta have people in your life that can say that to you. And you know what? You've gotta let them say it to you. You can say it to them, they can say it to you. No more suffering. Who who did the suffering? Jesus. He died on the cross. He was whipped, beaten, bloodied, bludgeoned, stripped of all his dignity said it was for you said it was for me that's how much he loves us 